thank you, Lord, uh, for this day. I thank you, Lord, always for the opportunity to proclaim your word. Uh, I pray that you might use me as your messenger, Lord, and as your mouthpiece here in this place. I pray our hearts will be open to receive what you have for us today. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Again, I want to thank Larry and, and John. They're just awesome. And, you know, God is, God doesn't make junk. He just doesn't. And so, you know, God is good. And, and you know, we just need to continue each and every day just enjoy who God really is and what he does for us in so many different ways. And I hope for you young people that uh, if I had a, a, a prayer for you as you grow in your life, is, is when you, as you grow in the presence of the Lord, grow in his joy. Grow in his joy. Because and uh, one day when we're in heaven, I think we're going to have such a great time up there and for those that want to be very straight-laced or whatever, I think they're going to be very frustrated because God's a God of laughter. God's a God of joy and celebration. Uh, and that's how he created us. So, uh, so be joyful in the Lord as you grow in him. Speaking of the young people, do you think, I ask you a question, do you think young people have definite goals? Maybe you should ask the young people. I think the answer to that question is probably not. You know, those who have their lives all planned out, right down to the letter, are the exception. You know, really, when you stop and think about it, I think they're, they're the exception. My, my, my middle brother was in education. That was what he did his whole life. And uh, at different levels, he was high school, then college, uh, taught at college as well, and so on and so forth. But one of the things when he used to counsel young people, uh, one of the things he said, I thought it was kind of interesting, maybe you think it's right or wrong or whatever, but it was his thing. And I had to think about it when he shared it. When he was a high school counselor, he counseled the seniors going on to college or whatever. So he'd bring them in and they would talk. And he said, far often, he said, these young uh, people would come in and they didn't have a clue what they were going to do. They just didn't have a clue. Or if they did have a clue, that clue was very weak. They just kind of said, well, I don't know. Mom and dad want me to go to college. And, and so my brother used to tell them, those that were, and there were many of them, they were on the fence. They didn't know what to do with their lives. He said, uh, you know, do you want to, why spend your parents' money foolishly? He said, if you're not sure that you want to go to college, then don't go. Give yourself a year or two to figure out what you want to do before you invest in, in, in your college. For some parents, that was probably, oh, you're trying to tell my kids not to go to school. That wasn't his point. My brother's point is far too often working with young people, they do not really have a sense. Some do. They have that definite, I want to be this, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a nurse, I want to be whatever. 
But most of them say, well, I don't know, so I'm going to go to college, you know, and uh, just kind of kind of you know, figure out what I want to do. Well, if you're like me, when I had that attitude of going to college, figure out what I wanted to do, well, I wanted to party. So that can, be, that can blow up in your face as well, which it did for me, but I met my wife, so there was a good, that, the good things came out of that one. Well, we hope so. <laughs> hope so. <laughs> well, okay. Studies have shown, and there again, you know, you can make these studies probably out any way you want to probably put them together, these surveys, but studies have shown that young people, we're just talking about young people, but this probably could apply to all stages of, of, of people, all ages, and even Christians they want the big salary, but they don't want to discipline themselves to work for it. Now, you probably talk to employers or owners of businesses, they probably do the same thing. You got, you got a group of people, a percentage of them, they're there just to collect the paycheck. And that is it. Well, you know, that is not the way it's supposed to be. That's not in God's economy but there are some Christians are more interested in what they can take from ministry than what they can uh, put into it and I found that to be true being in the secular world as well as in the ministry world working in blows I find gold brickers in the secular world being you know a boss or whatever yet people that would just get out do anything make any excuse to get out of doing any kind of work. You say, where's your pride in your work? Well, it's in the paycheck on Friday, whatever the case might be. And unfortunately, I found that to be in ministry as well. At the pastoral level, as well as people that volunteer, that serve on boards, not you guys. So they say, whoa, he's and you know, Chris thinking he's hammering this already, we're not even serving yet. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, well, you have to vote that for yourself. Say, I vote Chris gets a paycheck. But it is so difficult when you're working with volunteers in church as a pastor because when I was in the secular world, you know, I signed, I said, you know, listen, I signed your paycheck. So if they got a little bit pushy or nasty, I say, I signed your paycheck. But if you're in church and you're a volunteer, I don't sign your paycheck because you don't have a paycheck. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So it's a different kind of dynamic if you're working with, with leaders, whether in your business, in a secular world, or a church. With church, I found being in both sides of that is more difficult in church because how do you fire a volunteer? You don't. You don't. But you guys are good. You're the good guys. But believe me, I've had my share of people. I thought, what are they doing in, 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 in the leadership role when they don't want to be there, et cetera, et cetera. See where I'm going? You probably don't. But, but you know, that's the way it is. It, we live in a world where some people just want to take advantage we have other people that they take their responsibilities very, very, very seriously. 
So this is a side note, which you're probably missing me going down all these rabbit trails. But I said, when you, when you have young kids, you bring your kids up, I just would encourage you that, that to instill in your children, no matter what they do, whether they're babysitting as they get old enough, or maybe they do some yard work, mowing a yard for a neighbor, making a few extra bucks or whatever it is, you do the best job you can. You give it your best shot. And we're going to be talking about this today because God wants us to give it our best shot no matter what it is, to give it our very, very best. Don't confuse that with those that, for example, I was talking with, uh, with Chris today about instrumentals. I love all kinds of music. I really do. And I love music, of the, especially in the 60s because that was my era growing up. So that kind of music. But I, I love... Um, 70s and 80s music, especially the instrumentals, whatever. So I'm more into, you know, and you have some of them, you know, whether you like the music or not, they're gifted musicians. And they worked at it, and they worked at it. They worked at their craft to be the very best that they can be. That's what God's called us to be, the very best that we can be. So my first thought this morning I'm going to share with you a servant isn't always easy. And so we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 18, 5 through 7. And listen to this. Whatever the mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine. The women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his what? Tens of thousands. Whatever mission Saul sent David on, he was always hugely successful. On the outside, people just adored David. I mean, he was the man. But in, inside, David, David had the servant attitude. David had the servant heart who trusted God's love and purpose for Israel. So David was a born leader. We know that. David had many gifts, but really it was that combination, <coughs> excuse me, of, of David putting it all together that, you know, that's what God does. He gives you gifts to use them, but you have to use them in order for him to pull them together. Amen. Verse 6 and 7 again. The women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Now, how would you like to have been the king, you know, and you come into a town, and you've got all these women are singing and dancing. They're, you know, gigantic, you know, massive cheerleaders just cheering you on, you know, that, hey, you've done this, but look at this guy. He slains his tens of thousands. How did that make Saul feel? I believe that David discovered 
that serving wasn't so easy. Saul became so jealous of David that they played hide-and-seek in caves for years of Saul trying to kill David because of he was insanely jealous of his accomplishments. My point is that sometimes, even today, people get jealous. They get jealous of, of others, and they resent them because of their gifts, because of what they bring, and they just can't get over that. That's kind of the way they live. But i got to be cautious here, but I see this in ministry, and I, I hedge because I see it in ministry. Not here, but I've seen it so often, being a pastor all these years, and in churches as well. I have, you know, I've never, maybe I've grown a little bit callous or whatever because I kind of take things as they come along with, with lay people in ministry in this situation. I was in my first church. We had what we call the pillars of the church. These people, we call it, their last names were Bork. And so, being a Presbyterian pastor, we, people used to kid and call it the Borketerian Church because the whole family pretty much ran the church. And as a pastor, I was, had to navigate between over this family that though good intentions, but they basically were just trying to run the show. should probably use the word show, but, you know, uh, I, I did, so I sinned. I take that. But... So that created a big, major problem. He died. I left that church. Three, four years later, whatever, I'm driving through Piper City, Illinois. I think I was on a way to a business meeting or whatever, and I thought, hmm, I'm going right by this old community. I'll stop by and see... Um, Della, remember Della? <laughs> Della, that was the mom of the whole clan. I thought, see how she's doing. She's up there in years or whatever. She's had the health problems. I have a, I had a few minutes. I just kind of drive in, sneak in, you know. Usually, I, if I'm coming into a, going to a, another community where I pastored, I will talk to the pastor first of that church because I'm not going to go in there if he doesn't want me to go in. And so. I saw Della, and she laid something on me. Jason just blew me away. Sitting there, we're talking, and she said, they had a big building campaign when we arrived. They called it the Miracle Sunday. Well, they raised like $17,000 back in those days for a building campaign. Woo-woo. That was a lot of money back in those days. And um, so they were part of the Miracle Sunday, which is really great. Praise God for that. Out of the blue. Della says to me, and Harold, that was her husband, was so upset because the pastor got more of the recognition than he did. That came from her, his wife. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, now where am I supposed to go with this? What am I supposed to say about that? I wasn't even there when all that was happening, and so on and so forth. 
I'm just saying that you never know behind closed doors. You never know the motive of a person's heart. You just don't. And I've learned through the years to kind of govern that. Not that I don't trust people, but I want to get to know them, see who they really are. Where are their hearts? See, God looks at the heart. So when we do ministry or whatever the case might be, it's the heart that really governs, you know, what we do and what God wants us to do. Amen? And amen. All right. Okay, so that wasn't really great. Point number one. We'll try point number two. God's choice. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, Jesus said, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give it, will, will give you. You see, the, we see here a bond that was de developing, a personal bond between Jesus and his disciples. And that bond was growing. See, that's God's plan. That was Jesus' plan, to get a group of people, work with them, work with them, and develop these relationships in order for these men that Jesus called, that Jesus called to further his mission. See where I'm going with this? God, God's love and commitment to them, for them, really, uh, broke down the wall that separated the flesh from the divine. That's what God does. He has to break down that wall. He does the same for us, that Jesus loves us. And because of the cross, as we know, that God has, has, has knocked down that barrier between God and us. That is so important for us to see that, that there's, there's that relationship. We, you all know this. I'm preaching to the choir, but that's the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's developing that relationship with him that can only happen through Jesus Christ. So what I'm saying here, in one sense, is that God chooses us for his glory. There's a danger here for every brother and sister in Christ. It's so easy for Satan to get a hold of us and say, aren't I just so good? Oh, I can't see how this church can just live and, and exist without me. I just pull everything together. Without me, they, this wouldn't happen, that wouldn't happen. It is so, so easy to fall in that trap of thinking that Without me, this church would collapse. Well, I got news for you. The churches that I've served, well, I can't really say, by and large, they're still, they're still ministering, and I'm not there. Guess what? When you're done ministry, the church is going to go on regardless of where you are. It is what it is, it, what it is. God chooses us for his glory. Some to one ministry, one job, some to another. Whatever it is, God has a minister, 
has a ministry for you. Do you believe that? God has a ministry for you and for me. That's one of his purposes for us, is to serve him in ministry, no matter what it is. Mm. Uh-uh. If you're reading a, um, and I've read probably hundreds of them, um, church dot resumes for looking for a pastor, you know, and I scanned them because I've worked with churches looking for pastors, so part of my job was to see, pick up any points in their, in their, in their resume that might stand out. I say to the, to, the, to the calling committee, okay, what stands out about this candidate or this church or that candidate? And I'd look at some of those and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way in this world that I wouldn't want to be their pastor because they're looking for God. You know, they checked all the boxes they wanted their pastor to do. Guess what? That's why this church is so refreshing because you don't expect your pastor to do it all. Amen. We're in this together. You have your gifts. We need to, you know, you need to use your gifts for his glory. We're in this together. It's not a one-person show. It's all of us working together, striving to be the very, very best uh, that we can be. Colossians 3, 23, 24. Whatever you do, work with it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. God judges even our work ethic. Whatever you do, God knows your motive. He knows my motive. If I'm doing this just for me, and trying to make myself look good. God knows that. You cannot play hide-and-seek with God. You cannot do that, so don't try. Be honest, you know. I spend a lot of time just being honest with God, saying, boy, did I blow that. I don't like my thinking here, Lord. I'm not thinking right. Help me to re, you know, you know, re retool my thinking on this area, whatever, because it's just coming before him and just humbly seeking what he wants for me, and I want my heart to be right. If my heart isn't right, God haunts me. I don't know about you. He just does. He works on me and works on me when I know that something's right with me, you know, because why? I'm not perfect, but I try to be in tune with him. I try to be in tune with God and his spirit and what he wants for me. That should be for you as well. We're not, I'm not above you. You're not above me. We're just in this together. Amen and amen. So anyway, I think I wanted to share that with you. God knows the real you, Larry, inside and out. God knows where he has placed you right now. God knows right now what you're thinking. He knows where he's placed you. This is your, and some people, for, perhaps for some you know, they, they feel, well, maybe I just stumbled into this job. Maybe I stumbled into this opportunity. Maybe I stumbled into this responsibility. It doesn't catch God by surprise. Becca becoming our new worship leader did not catch God by surprise. 
Ron and Chris, they coming, coming on the board, did not catch God by surprise. I look out here and I see, for some of you, maybe had a variety of jobs. I don't know how many jobs that you've had, you know. Some of you had probably, say, hundreds of them. Others may, maybe less or whatever. But can you remember any job that you had growing up, maybe as a you know, teenager, an adult, or whatever, some jobs you really absolutely hated that you can remember and say, man, I hated that job. That was a lousy, 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 lousy job. Can you believe that in the process of that, that that did not catch God by surprise? That lousy job did not catch your God by surprise. I was, I was in, I think it was in seminary, Jan, or was in college or whatever, seminary, where I was stacking cement. I told you that one. I was 35, but I tell you, Maria, I was ripped at 35. I still, my muscles weren't sagging. They were still there. And, and so I remember I was bagging. Sometimes I bagged cement, put them on pallets, you know, 90-pound bags of cement, and I have these cotton gloves on. And, and after a period of time, you know, coming off that chute, those bags are so hot, it just burned holes into the fingers of the glove. But I'm there with a mask on, we got mortar dust everywhere, and I'm working side by side with, with college football players, you know, home for the summer, and that's their summer job. These guys had muscles like this. I had muscles like, well, maybe like that. So I'm stacking the cement with a bed. I thought, I hated that job. Up at six o'clock in the morning, I thought, oh no, I got to go in and work at this place. I absolutely hated it, but God provided at the time I needed that job. You see, didn't catch God by surprise. That's where he put me. Then I was a security guard, and you ready for this one? For buck twenty-five an hour, I was. We were rolling in the cash at that time, buck twenty-five an hour, and guess what? But hey, I had the fringe benefits. I worked from seven at night to seven in the morning. And he did that for the weekend when I was going to Judson College. And I had an eight o'clock class. And back in those days, we were on uh, trimesters. And I remember that maybe the good part of that job was I had a uniform, I had the hat, I had you know the shirt going, I had the flashlight, you know? You know, and, and that, was, that, was, that was the glory. That, that stopped right there. From 7 o'clock to 7 in the morning, I worked at Arthur Anderson in St. Charles, Illinois. And I remember for buck 25, I thought to myself, you know, God must have a sense of humor. You know, and it, back in those days, I don't know if they still do it, I don't know. But you have to go through and you have to hit keys at different departments. That's the security to make sure that all these. So I was going through all this place, Larry, hit my keys every hour or hour and a half, or whatever it was. Boom, boom. Never, never missed one. Never missed one. 
And then I would uh, leave Arthur Anderson, go to Judson, try to struggle through the 8 o'clock class. That just absolutely tore me up. God, why would you put me there? There's got to be hundreds of jobs I could have that are a lot easier for me. Why there? This did not catch God by surprise. Do you understand? Your job, whatever it is, whatever you had, you know, can, could you rejoice in that? Could you praise God? Can you praise God right now for where you're at in your job, in your situation? God says, can you praise me? Can you praise me where I'm at? It's easy to praise God when things are going great. What about when things aren't going great? A buck 25 an hour with three children. That was tough. But God's good. We knew all along what got me through that, what got Jan through that was knowing that God was in it. That he was in it. We just had to take hold of it and walk it in faith knowing that regardless of how bad this looked, somehow God was going to use it for his glory. Are you with me? No. <laughs> now, the other side of that coin is this. Regardless of that promotion, or regardless of passing that big exam, or regardless of gaining some notoriety or recognition, without, and this is what Paul's talking about, without spiritual integrity, coupled with an attitude of not trying to do your best, will not bring God's blessings. It will not. If you're a Christian, if you're doing things outside of the realm of God, it, it, will you not bring it, it will not bring his blessings, his happiness or fulfillment long term. You might get short-term satisfaction, but it will catch up with you. It will catch up. God has a way of getting our attention. He has a way of doing that. How are we doing, Larry? Okay. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate I appreciate that. Um, I want to get to the rest of the story. And from 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7. And we're going to be here because this is a very interesting story because it talks about Elisha. Remember him? Elisha wanted, there was Elijah, then who is uh, Elijah's right hand or whatever, his apprentice or whatever? Elisha. And what did Elijah want? He wanted like a double portion. He wanted, he wanted to be really the miracle man. He wanted even more than God had given Elijah. So, and he was, and Elijah was a great prophet. And so we have this story. He's with a group of prophets, and they're together. And they decide, one decided after conversation, that they wanted to build a, a, a building to accommodate all of them. So that's kind of the background, you know, of, of, of this scripture that we're going to be looking at from Second Kings Chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you 
is too small for us. Let's go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And Elijah said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron ox head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out, it was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? Then he showed him the place. Elijah cut, cut a stick, threw it there, and made the iron float. Isn't that interesting? He just kind of cut a stick and would put it right there and made the iron float. Then he said in verse 7, lift it out. He said then, he said, then the man reached out his hand and took it. Let's go back. Verse 1, the company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Now we come to the great miracle that took place in a building program somewhere around or by the Jordan. Verse 2, let's go to the Jordan with each of us, where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. So all we're willing is a community, a little community uh, gathering, and they're all there, all in one accord, and ready to, uh, to pitch in and help. Then verse 5, as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out, it was borrowed. The man panicked when the axe head he borrowed fell off the hand and sunk this Miracle reminds us, and this is kind of like a side note, but it reminds us that God even cares about our everyday activities. It's not just the big things that God, we think. No, God cares about those everyday events in our lives. It's not just Sunday morning. It's Monday through Saturday as well. Now, let's look at verse 6. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. The stick, I believe, symbolized what Elijah wanted the axe head to do. The text said he made and made the iron float. But notice, Elijah did not jump into the water. No, instead, he called upon the power of God to make it float. So we have in one hand, Elijah calls on the power of God to make that axe head float. Verse 7, then he said, lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. God used Elijah to make it float. However, the other man, his job was to pull it out. You see the point? To pull it out. God has given each of us special gifts. We are all gifted people. Do you believe that? You can, you can look in the mirror and say that I am a gifted person. Why? Because God has given me special gifts. And he uses them to work through us by using our abilities, 
through situations, and even sometimes, sometimes through supernatural means. But here's the kicker. We must first step out in faith and take it. Whatever God has called you to do, you need to step out in faith and take it. It's got to be yours. You've got to take it. If you don't know what God's called you to do, then ask him, and he will tell you. And then he said, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, but you need, to, you need to step out in faith, and you need to take it. What would have happened if that, if that man didn't pull that axe head out of the water? We don't know, because that's not the story. God always works through his people. Now, part of what I read was, and some of the scripture was, then you can ask and God will give it to you. When you are in God's will, when you ask him, he will give it to you. According to what? According to his will. Now, you might find this to be very surprising, but it's very true. I am, by nature, I'm an introvert. Sue, I know, you said, Pastor, liar, liar, liar. I'm an introvert. Anybody that knows me, my close circle of friends, I'm not usually the life of the party. I'm always looking at the watch. When are we going to leave? Um, I'm uncomfortable around people that I don't know. At church, I'm different. I'm not a hypocrite. It's just that God has, has wired me for church. God has placed through his Holy Spirit that when I'm at church, that to minister whatever, I have no problems with you people. Okay? But I have problems. I have problems with those and everybody. And so when I go to work out, I'm leading to a story. And I think it's going to be a good one. So bear with me. So when I go work out, I have on my yellow sweatshirt. I got my grubby shirt on and these baggy pants with my skinny knobby knees, my, my white socks, my tennis shoes. I go in, good morning, good morning. Go to the Y, go right to my machine, work out. You know, if you want to talk to me, I nod. You know, whatever, good morning, good morning. And because I don't like to be bothered when I'm working out. So, and they all know that. And there's this one woman, young lady, I probably put her in her 30s or whatever, and she evidently had been in a serious, either had MS or whatever, had a very difficult time walking. And I saw her two years ago trying to work out, and I just was so proud of her, of trying to rehab herself. I didn't know exactly what happened to her. I'm just... I assumed it maybe was something like an advanced disease or whatever. And so last Thursday, I finished my workout, and I was high, hopped on the treadmill, just do a cool down. And, and right in front of me was this young lady, and she was going over to a rowing machine, you know, one of those things you set on, and you go, you know, and she'd do 10 reps, get up, 
and just tied up in her way, run, you know, the distance of the, of the wellness center, stop, walk back, do another 10 reps. She did that three times. On the second one, as she's running by, God gave me the nudge to pray for her. And I had been praying to God before that to change me, to be more out there, you know, where I work out. I'm thinking to myself, for Pete's sake, I'm a pastor, so I'm just going to hide and not. So, so God been working. I said, God, God, bring me someone that I can minister to here. And he laid her on my heart. I prayed for her. I'm leaving. The story keeps going. I didn't know. Keeps going. So I'm leaving. I get my bag. Boom, boom, boom. Going out there. The director's right there by the desk. And she said, can I ask you a question? And I, she said, you answer the question, then can I take your picture? I said, I tell you what, we'll compromise. I'll try to answer your question, but we're not going to take the picture. <laughs> and so then, then as I'm talking with her, I look over there like where Larry is, and I see this young gal. She's walking over to one of the treadmills to cool down. She, I mean, she's really working out hard. And I said, Jackie, I said, what, what's going, I don't want to, you know, be to pry, but what's her story? And she said, uh, well, she has just gone through a terrible divorce. She has three children, and she said she has no self-esteem, She's very discouraged with her life. And that just hit me. And it's like, God, you need to talk to her. Never talked with her before. Walked back into the, into the fitness center. Hopped on the treadmill, just standing next to hers. And I said, could I, could I have a moment? I want to talk with you, if I may. She turned the treadmill off, and I shared... I said, you know, I, I've been praying for you today. And uh, I said, I just want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. So I shared Christ with her. And I said to her, God doesn't make junk. I said, I'm so proud of you are here faithfully every day trying to get better. And then she said, well, you know, she said, a couple years ago, I had a terrible uh, car accident, and they thought I'd never walk again. And there's some other damage there as well that, that she's struggling with. And so when I shared Christ, I said, can I pray with you? So I prayed with her. Then I said to her, if you need to talk, anything that you need, I'm, I want to be here for you. After I prayed, she said, can I give you a hug? And she was crying. Now, here we are, two sweaty people, <laughs> you know, and her sweat was really intense because she was still pinched to work out. And I said, sure, but you know me. I don't know, Mr. Clean, so I'm one to kind of hug, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, but she gave me this big bear hug and was crying. When you say to God, ask, ask, 
He'll give it to you according to his will. He answered that prayer. He answered that prayer. He sent me to, you know, a woman who just needed help. There I am in, in my grubbies, and God is right in the middle of both of us. Don't ever underestimate how God will use you if your heart is there and willing. It doesn't matter. It could be someone at, at school. It could be someone right by your locker. Maybe it's someone, some young person that's really struggling with something and doesn't know where to go or whatever. You have no clue, whatever. But what I'm saying is when you ask God to bring people into your lives for his glory, he will bring them. Be prepared for he will bring them. If that's where your heart is, he will bring them. That's why this is so, 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 so important that it's, you know, we use our gifts at work. We use our gifts at the Y. We use our gifts at home. No matter where what we, when we use our gifts, we are walking hand in hand with God. That's how the body of Christ is to function. We function by helping others. We function by reaching out in the name of Jesus Christ to help others. We, fun- we might not get anything out of that except maybe that, that joy in our hearts of knowing that we've helped someone in need. Not for our benefit, but for theirs. That's what serving Jesus Christ, I believe, and others is all about. It's about love. It's about coming together and saying, man, you got a problem. I want to be there for you. I don't know. God laid something on my heart for you, and I just want to give it to you. It's stepping out in faith, and it's taking it It's taking it. Take your ministry in your hand and walk with Jesus. And let him take care of the rest. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the everyday life of just living life each and every day and the wonderful things that that you bring into it. As we seek you, Lord, we know, Lord, that you're real because you have revealed yourself to us time and time again. And for those, Lord, that are struggling with that, Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you might just touch their hearts right now. For someone here that just is not sure what I'm saying is true, Lord, that you will reveal yourself to them in their way their time that they will grasp who you are and walk with you. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of serving. We thank you, Lord, that we serve warts and all. None of us are perfect, but we're saved in Christ. 
So, Jesus, I pray that your saving grace will just fill us, will encourage us as we leave here today. If there's doubt in the heart, Lord, I pray that you will remove that doubt and fill that doubt, Lord Jesus, with your, with your loving presence. In your name we pray, amen and amen. We have a prayer team, we'll pray if you need any prayer after the service is over. Uh, God is good all the time. Go and serve your king.